1: Live show, it's mailbag a palooza. Danny Meringue, Brandon Sprague coming at you. It's been a busy, 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 busy busy week here in Portland. Uh, Uncle Phil, Phil Knight, has made an official bid for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Mike Schmitz was hired. Uh, Sergey Oliva was hired as an assistant GM. OG Ananobi was caught in rumors. Dyson Daniels and Ben Matherin have come in for workouts, and we've got a pile of of mailbag questions it's been a while since we did a mailbag so i'm trying to grab as many as i can while addressing all the news we talked about maybe doing a live show for uncle phil's bid but uh after two live shows in a row we were not gonna do a third <laughs> live show in a row during the offseason uh we knew we had a mailbag coming so i want to kind of get yeah. there uh and wrap it in uh before we bring in senior sprague uh if you're here for the first time, you're a long time, first time, whatever in between, like, rate, review, help us grow the show. Uh, it's free. It's easy. Uh, if you want to do us a solid uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, uh, five-star, one-star, whatever you feel like. You love us. You hate us. As long as you consume the content, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen,
2: it's a How break. you
3: doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, I'll take the hit here. This was my fault. The day that Uncle Phil made the offer, the news broke, caught everybody off guard. You
1: were nowhere to be found.
3: I was nowhere to be found. And the minute I read it, honest to God, my first thought was, shit, I can't do a live show today. I can't do it. It's just the worst possible day Phil could have done this. Um, So sorry we didn't go live that day, but we will break down everything. we got a million questions. And there's a lot to discuss. This franchise... Uh, I, I've said over and over again they they never can have nice things, but man, they're never not interesting. They're always interesting. There's always <sighs> something to talk about with this franchise. Yeah,
1: I mean they they have been in the in the you know the news realm. Yeah. More in the past two weeks than maybe ever in their off season.
3: Do you like that? I was going to ask you that today on the pod was. And obviously that's a Joe Neal, I think, difference here. Between Some two, of this is also sure. agency talk, but do you like it? Some people like the whole, you know, you never leak what you're doing, and then boom, there it is. Portland makes a trade or Portland signs this guy versus hey, Portland's one of the top two teams. Hey, Portland's eyeing this dude. Hey, Portland's in talks with. Hey, Portland's gonna trade this pick. Mm-hmm. We we didn't we didn't get that. I'm I'm trying not to play his history here, so correct me if I'm wrong. I remember watching the Zach draft and the fact that they traded up with the two picks to get ten to get Zach. I remember thinking that was a bit of a, a, a surprise. Like, whoa, okay, they're they're in top ten now. And oh, yeah. they Zach Collins? Like, okay. I feel like we've already heard more about what they're gonna potentially do with that pick than we've ever heard in any one draft or any one year in Neil's era.
1: 100 percent and i think this is a changing of the guard not only uh with joe and, and how he wants to run things um we're no longer seeing things filtered through Woj. even if Woj is getting stuff um there I'll, I'll touch on this now and then we'll kind of get forward as we as we talk about some of the, the player stuff woge is not a guy who um is friendly with clutch and portland is mostly clutch now um Kind of running through things. Well, uh, Chauncey is clutch, obviously, and Yusuf Nurkic is clutch, and a lot of the people they're pursuing in this offseason are clutch. I've been told that Joe is not actually represented by Clutch, but they had a, a representative of Clutch negotiating his deal. Uh, that's not uncommon. There are a few coaches in the league who aren't represented by anybody, but they take one of the uh, executive agents and have them negotiate stuff on retainer. Um, but it's it's a different kind of publicity now. It's, it's not all uh, hiding behind the Iron Curtain of, of Soviet Russia, as, yeah. as the Blazers ran things. It's much yep. more, I don't want to say out in the open, because that, that's not true either. But they are not pretending like they're, they're running a nuclear missile silo, where state secrets are going to get things sideways. In fact, they hired a guy in Mike Schmitz so they could get you know information on draft pro- prospects coming forward and let's be honest here schmidt's also by by them hiring Schmitz, they now have the ability to take that away from other people so i think that's kind of an interesting kind of a dichotomy of, of where things are sitting at but let's kind of roll back here brandon to um it's b- but to answer your question i'm i'm all for it i like the way that they're handling you like it okay. and, and publicly where, where do you sit
3: i like it i like hearing about what the team's kind of doing we don't you know, this is a small market, so they're able to get away with some stuff that other people in other markets don't necessarily.
1: <laughs> this is not working in Philadelphia.
3: No, and and, and I, I will stand up for the media. I'm not friends with everybody in the media, but what I will say is I don't like the, the whole like blame the media for the lack of availability or the, the lack of interviews and exposure and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I, I honestly just think it's a team that feel, views itself as the one horse t- team in the town and they do what they want, when they want, how they want. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to talk to Joe. I know whether on this podcast with you, which I think would be fantastic, or the radio show or whatever, I'd love to hear from Joe. But we don't get that, and we obviously never got that with the last guy. Yeah. So
1: I don't think it, Neil it, made a single radio. No, it's not true. He did make it one with Dwight. Was
3: I was going to say, if it was anything, it was going to be on the yep. home of the Blazers, and it was probably going to be a one-off. Yep. Um, that said, yes, a long way of answering it. I like it just because, yeah, I don't buy every single rumor or that they're going to get everything in the rumor. But, man, it's the closest we get to hearing any idea of what the plan is. We, we never got that unless it was two press conferences a year.
1: Yeah, and that's where I think it's an interesting thing. Um, let's go a little bit further up the ladder. And the, obviously the big news that came out of nowhere. You and I have talked about ownership and transition for the better part of a year. Um, a lot of what has been discussed and what was out there, or was is out there, is stuff that you know we've talked about here on the show really for the past year. The new part of this and the massive part of this is Phil Knight being involved. And you've you've been in this media landscape a long time, and you've heard the same things that I have heard for a decade or longer. And that's Phil Knight was never going to be involved in professional ownership. That was that was every league had approached him, and it was an unabashed no. So when that news dropped, what was your reaction when uh, your boss, Jeff, sent you the sent you the Woj tweet? When you yeah. got that, what, what was your initial reaction?
3: Uh, first of all, he didn't even send me what the bomb was. My boss texted me and was like, Woj bomb. Maybe we should post to Facebook. And I was in the, the middle certainly. of something like, ah, shit. <laughs> Open it up. It's maybe the biggest news we've had in a while. Um, yeah. You know, my, my first reaction really was, I think, like a lot of other people's, wow. Because it's it's not for lack of money. It's not for lack of anything outside of just not having an interest. Like this guy viewed, I think, ownership in the light of Oregon. You know, I some some, and it's a sliver, but some duck fan gets mad about this, like as if it's something to be ashamed of that you have basically an owner of your program. That without that guy, that program is probably Oregon State. Yes, it's great to have that. I wish Oregon State had that. I wish every small market. It's a, it's a, it's had a, certainly
1: that. a jealousy. Like
3: absolutely. Like part I really of the reason it. USC
1: is the program they are is because they have some of the most incredible Deconce. Hollywood donors you yes. could imagine.
3: Yes. Will Ferrell and Snoop Dogg show up your practices. That's and those aren't even thing. the biggest
1: names that are like behind the scenes. No. Not even
3: close. The biggest names are the ones you've never heard of. Yes. You're like, oh, you're a billionaire. I've never yes. heard of you. That's mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so it was wow was the initial reaction. Second thing. I wonder why now. Mm-hmm. What was it about mm-hmm. now? You know, he's 84. For all we know, he's got, what, 30 billion plus dollars. This dude could live to be a 9,000 9, years old. He become a robot. Like, we don't know what his future holds. I don't know what the future holds for humanity. So, I'm curious why. Phil bought
1: 2,000.
3: Phil bought 2,000. Uh, why at the age of 84, what was it about this team now? I know Paul had a stranglehold of ownership going back to the late 80s. I get that. But, man, there was no indication you had any... Real want to do this, so I'm really curious why now. How much of that was smolensky and their relationship, and him saying, "Dude, I want to own a team. It's going great in LA. You got a great thing in Portland. Let's run on." It's that. fun to win. It's fun to win. You're never winning a championship in college football. Pack it in. Your best bet to win a title is in the NBA. Let's do it, Uncle Phil. I'd really just love to know that. That's my biggest question and one I still have. Why now, at the age of 84, does Phil Knight think, "Oh"? I want to own a pro sports team.
1: I'm going to speculate.
3: Great, that's what the podcast yeah, is for.
1: I, I genuinely believe. So I, I'm sure you've heard the same things because you you're obviously in, in the college football section of things uh, much more yeah. frequently than I am. I pay attention to the the money behind things significantly on the college football side. Um, yeah. let, let's let's just say how it is. Phil did anything and everything and and was the the bag man. For not just Oregon football, but all of Oregon sports,
3: Oregon, Oregon Oregon University, really. I mean everything. He built non-sports facilities too. But I mean,
1: as as far as the sports side of things, he got so jealous of Oregon State's baseball run that he created his own team. (laughs) Yes, he did. Like he he was sitting there watching his rival university dominate the country. He was like, Ah, what do you need? Twenty million? Fifty million? Right. Like their team came out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere, and they became a competitive team almost immediately. And, like, that's the kind of thing where you're like, holy – and I think what Phil is doing here, because he has accomplished so much in life and potentially where NIL is putting things and how many schools – like, if all of a sudden a T. Boone Pickens comes out of nowhere for another university, you could see a school just, like, all of a sudden be in a title chase because they buy a quarterback, they buy a DB, they buy a linebacker, they buy a wide receiver, like uh, – uh, Ryan Day at Ohio State said basically it's going to cost him $13 million a 13 year
3: million.
1: in yeah. NIL money to, to bring in his quarterback, to bring in his top tackle, to bring yeah. in his running back. And I would venture a guess at the at the top programs, that Ohio, Ohio State, USC's, uh, Alabama's, that it's going to be closer to 20 going forward. That changes a landscape. And it's not that Phil doesn't have the money, but it changes things significantly. So depending on how you were running your bag, man, how efficiently you were doing it and how well you were able to pull those guys in. I don't think that the landscape is, is as favorable as it was because now it's out in the open. So any advantages you may have had behind the scenes, those are gone. And for, for Phil buying, keeping and investing in the trailblazers is a way to double down on his legacy, not just Oregon university Mm -hmm. of Oregon sports, but tying himself to the Blazers, Even if they don't win a title, Right. But being a part of that. And, and like, again, when you're when you're worth 50, 60 billion dollars, because I think his liquid assets is something like close to like 20. I think he's got as far as I understand it, he's got dumb cash reserves type deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't a, like a Tillman Fertitta thing where it's like theoretical money. <laughs>
3: No, 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 this is real yeah. FU money. Like yes. this is, yeah, he will never spend this money. No,
1: I think he's still in the top 25 richest in the world. So as far as like liquid yes. assets, which is insane to think about. The, the idea of like what he could do, it fuels his legacy. And I hmm. think from a fan standpoint, you should be thrilled because this guy is as cutthroat as it gets. I tweeted out, Phil Knight is the kind of guy who would sell his soul to get his beloved Ducks a, a national title, and that's exactly. And we've talked about this, right, Brandon? Like, like what kind of owner we want post Jody Allen? Yeah. I want somebody who this is what they do. Yes. This is what Phil Knight is going to do.
3: I love the legacy play idea. I think it's a pretty good one. Um, he's again, he's eighty-four, so maybe that's where this kind of comes into play. Of, you know, he's got the PK eighty event coming back this coming season. PK eighty-five. EK-85, and it's got women's teams. It's got men's teams. It's, it's going it's to be the
1: biggest non – the Maui Invitational is probably the biggest early season tournament in the NCAA. This might surpass that this year.
3: Oh, it's not a might. You, when you bring the top women's teams and you have the top men's teams, there's no other tournament yeah. like this. So he, he is already going to take over that mantle. We know what he's done at Oregon. Obviously, Nike's the giant that they are. He's not on the day-to-day stuff. So I like the legacy play idea that you're going with. And I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever, you know – it. We don't know all the details yet. Again, we'll get to hold the bidding process and how that became public. But I think the thing with Phil that I like is just the idea that there's not a scenario where if this team ends up hitting with the right mix of talent, he's going luxury tax. Got to get out yeah. of this. He's going to take, I I assume, we're assuming this, but my get reaction would be he's taking the Golden State and the Lake of idea, right? Spend, spend, hey. spend, spend, spend. spend spend the damn money you want to compete you want to win championships you want to be legitimately you got to spend money and that doesn't mean you're paying the luxury tax for a, a one and done exit team but it's identifying what kind of talent you can bring in and how you can kind of map this thing out going forward so I think the aggressive part agree 100 percent. legacy play maybe that's what it is he's 84 he's looking in the mirror he's like I can add one more thing to my legacy which is a pretty damn good legacy already But this is another element to it of local guy who has built hospitals, done cancer research, built up a university sports program. He's got equity. And I know some people, I I don't want to dive into this, but I know some people immediately go, and he saved him and kept him in our city and didn't let him relocate. Folks, the NBA is not mother bleeping, (laughs) turning down three mother bleeping billion freaking dollars for an expansion opportunity in Seattle where they owe him one. Just so Portland can relocate, it was never really a no. thing, and so I think this is more about hey, Phil Knight, Nike, cancer research, University of Oregon, Blazers. Yeah,
1: it's. I, I think you pretty much locked it up. Uh, Kirk says my only problem with Phil Knight is he'll be worshiped from Oregon sports fans, with no accountability. I would go completely the can you other Say direction. that one more time. He says my only problem with Phil Knight is he'll be worshiped from Oregon sports fans with no accountability. As in that that you wouldn't, Phil Knight wouldn't be accountable because of the influence that he has already had, and I'm going completely the other way because this guy is maniacal about his commitment. Yeah, there's there's nobody has ever said Phil Knight's not dedicated. I mean, he is cutthroat. He is absolutely cutthroat in everything that he does. Yeah, and that's what I want. (laughs) Like I want the guy, and we've we've joked about this while also being dead serious. I want the guy that's going to tamper. I want the guy that's going to push the envelope. I want the guy that's going to be okay taking a half million dollar fine because they stretched. Like that's what I want. And if you think a guy late this far down in his life that has accomplished as much as he has, if you think he's going to sit back, he's going to Steve Ballmer this thing. There's going to be a, a deal in there somewhere. Uh, you know, was a couple of Lakers guys I quote tweeted it with something along the lines of like, "Oh, now it's now now it's a problem that you know that they're finding ways to work outside the CBA because it's not LA." Like, think about this. Going to LA, part of the way that the players are able to recoup money is endorsements. If you if you think that the Lakers aren't lining those up for these players, you are out of your bleeping mind. Yeah. Now all of a sudden the Blazers, if they get a Phil Knight ownership group, do you think maybe there might be a golden goose led path to the swoosh? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I hope they do. Yeah. I want them to just Work every single freaking angle that they have to get that done because I want them to have an advantage because they've been behind the eight ball through most of their existence because they've got prohibitive tax laws. They're in a geographical isolated area. They're in a Mm -hmm. predominantly white market. Now you've got the face of professional sports for the last 40 years. Leverage the hell out of it. Think about this. University of Oregon, do they have new investment in everything every single year and basically every sport?
2: Are they innovating
1: at all times? Do they just dump a truckload of money so that they can recruit at a level, outside of the NIL stuff, their facilities? Is it some of the best on the planet?
3: Danny, they import bamboo from Thailand so they can build a goddamn coffee table in their football building. Like, when you're going to that kind of detail, hey, what does this coffee table that's a four-by-two – and on our third floor of our seven floor building uh what is, what should be made Stu bamboo from a forest in Thailand Let's ship it was crapped out by
1: here. an endangered panda
3: like I'm sorry yeah <laughs> I'm sorry when you're going to those lengths for detail yes you are doing any and everything oh let's build up Otsen. oh let's build up uh let's build a new basketball stadium let's the build track a, stadium. Stadium. a track and, a world-class world-class track and Olympic, field stadium a stadium a world class world-class Olympic one of the best facilities in the freaking world educational buildings on campus jerseys galore like when you're doing that yeah now i will say I, i'm not a duck fan and neither but i us are. <laughs> but I've, I've also like i've wondered aloud some things with him and the way that he is a booster and the way that they spend the money that i always find interesting as a non-duck fan who if i was a duck fan these are things i'd be wondering you know you mentioned the nil thing uh you're walking me through 20 million 13 million a year okay what is that what is that to a guy who wants to see his team win a championship before he's gone nothing that's nothing you know he spends a lot of money on buildings facilities the right you know beautiful things he can't outbid coaches from leaving their programs like and i know some of these are hometown go back home things but if you're offering Mario ten million a, a year, and maybe he doesn't think he's worth it, and that's the thing, a,
1: that's where I was going to go is like I don't know if he's be- believed truly in any of those guys being. That's the guy. fine.
3: Maybe it's a program is bigger than this guy thing, and that's cool. But like Tennessee, and you can laugh at Tennessee if this kid's a bust. Nico, that quarterback, mm-hmm. eight million dollars. Like these are things they could easily have, and it's like we got a new building though. And it's like, well, is that the right? Okay, we'll see if that ends up working out for him. So those are just areas, little areas I would always wonder as a Duck fan. And I don't know if that's ever going to rear its tug- ugly head because it's a different business. It's a different way of doing things. I think things. it's a good problem to have. But, it's yeah, it's a good problem to have of like, hey, how are you spending all of that money that you're spending?
1: Uh, Jeremy says, what's the point of having FU money if you can't say FU?
3: It's, yeah.
1: That, and that's, yeah. That's ultimately – I don't see a world where a better ownership group exists.
3: What about Ellison?
1: Just as old. Sure, but like it, I mean, it, you
3: said a group as good. That's
1: but he doesn't have the, the swoosh him.
3: the swoosh, yeah.
1: Like that's yeah. I I think Ellison like I, the big thing that I wanted is number one FU money. I want yeah. I want more money than God. Like I don't ever want money to be an issue. And with those two guys, you have two of the top 20 25 richest people on the planet. Like, you do not have to worry about money in any way, shape, matter, or form. And I think with Knight, you get a level of commitment that's maniacal. And and it's something hyper, hyper hyper-focused. And I've already seen people, what happens, you know, if, if Phil Knight passes away? Phil Knight is not unprepared. I guarantee from the minute that contract is signed and they become owners, there is a succession plan in place. 100%.
3: Also, he's, he's not going to die. He's going to be a robot. I'm telling you guys. like, It's going to be a swoosh robot. It's going to be unbelievable.
1: It's uh, it's going to go full on Futurama.
3: Think think Stormtrooper with a swoosh on his chest.
1: <laughs> It'll have diamond plate on the shoulders, too.
3: He's even going to walk around with a laser blaster and be like, where'd you get that weapon? I didn't think those existed. Well, I'm Phil Knight. I, everything exists.
1: <laughs> um, I've already seen a few people like, well, is it going to be a problem between Damian Lillard and Phil Knight? No, because one's Adidas and one's Nike. No, it's not going to be a problem.
3: That's. I mean, that stuff is so far past ever being a problem in this league.
1: I. I wonder if it's going to be like the 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 gif of, of them staring back and forth. What is it? Uh, uh, Diddy and, um, oh God, who's the other guy in that in that gif where they're they're staring oh, back and forth oh, at each other? Oh, I saw uh, this. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine it. I can imagine them being like, mm, when somebody like When they first me, walk into the room,
3: somebody hit me. Was like. Uh, you know, how much of the is Phil going to go after Dame because his contract, I guess, is up with Adidas? And I'm like, I mean, he might, but is he going to give Dame a quarter of a billion or more? Because, like, Dame's getting real FU money from Adidas. Dame's a six
1: – Dame's uh, – uh, Nine figures. Nine figures, thank you. Uh, he's, nine, a nine fig- figures. he's a nine-figure deal for Adidas. I think he has <laughs> the largest non-soccer deal in the world for Adidas. And so. Nike
3: is basically like, mm, outside of LeBron and Giannis, we're really not all in on certain guys. No. You know what I mean?
1: No, they they've actually kind of stepped back from that stuff a little bit. Uh, they're cutting
3: Tyree or Kyrie, or uh, reportedly.
1: Well, I mean, that makes sense.
3: No, I'm just saying like they're already like they've gotten rid of they got get rid of Kobe for a minute. I mean, geez. yeah, they figured that
1: one out though. Jake says uh, he called it a swoosh trooper. A swoosh trooper. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That 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 tracks. That um, does track. And it's, I, I, we, we should mention um, uh, Alan Smolininski, who is also the, uh, the co-bidder along with, with Phil Knight, who is half of Phil Knight's age. 84 for Phil Knight, 42 for Uh For those that don't know, he is a USC, fight on graduate. Uh, and he made his money in um, real estate development around USC uh, with student housing. He was so good at it. In fact, he got sued by USC for monopolizing the housing market. Uh, the other part of this is so we we have the competitive basketball side of things. The other side of this is now if you get a real estate development guy who specializes in in turning properties over uh, and making them better and more usable. Uh, how about making the Rose Quarter better and more usable?
3: <laughs> I mean, where do you start on that? <laughs> but it's what I mean. I mean, I mean like Jesus.
1: if you're going to have an ownership group, having somebody who specializes in the basketball side and another guy who specializes in the real estate side. Yeah. And then you throw in Kirk Brown, another billionaire who's who's going to be backing this and
3: and getting a WNBA team. That's for sure happening, by the way. That yeah. was other – I know a lot of people pointed it out on Twitter, but I was not on. I read the Jennings piece on The Athletic about that. And Chantel Jennings, for those who don't know. Chantel Jennings, yeah, she did a good piece on the WNBA expansion stuff. And Portland's mm-hmm. one of, like, the seven cities. My first they <laughs> They're thought, one of.
1: – They're one of one.
3: <laughs> well, right. But my first thought with Phil was, oh, they're going to – How WN... much money have
1: they invested in women's sports lately?
3: Right. They, I mean, they're cutting hockey to invest more in that kind yeah. of stuff. Women's sports – um, you know, tennis-specific. Like, they're cutting their partnership with the NHL in large because they're driving women's sports. And if you're doing that, I, I think you're also all in on the WNBA.
1: Yeah, and so you you talk about, again, what it means, not just for the trailblazers, it's the entire entity of that whole area that because of the the lease agreement that's currently about to, to go or about to finish up, and this would allow – Uh, a real estate developer to kind of figure that stuff out uh, and look at the development, putting in a LA live type situation. Uh, And for those who don't, who don't know Dwayne Hankins is currently the the president of the the business side of the operations. He quote tweeted, I believe Chantel's piece or somebody who aggregated it. And when they asked like, what city do you want to see it? He publicly said, Portland, please. Let Let me just tell you guys, Dwayne's not doing that without blessings.
3: Well, my, I mean, ultimately my dream is Phil gets the team. They get this team back to a respectability and part of re- renovating the Rose Quarter area is getting the city to not give a damn anymore, finally blow the Dallas yep. out and build a football stadium and make that the Memorial Coliseum. Like that's, you know, that's my dream scenario, pie in the sky sports fan in Portland thing, but uh, we'll see how they Whoever it is that owns
1: the, the grain silos right there finally gives them up because Paul oh Allen tried to buy God. them for 20 years.
3: I've heard the dumbest. I had I had somebody pretty high up that I would really trust with this info that worked really closely with Paul. And they tried he, to buy it
1: over and over and over again.
3: They tried to buy it, but do you know what they wanted to do with it? So they told me that when Paul wanted to buy it, he wanted to turn those silos into apartments. He was going to go in there and piece together flooring and carve out windows all in those silos and make basically city view housing right next to it. Interesting. I mean, and I'm sure it's one of a few ideas, but that's somebody was working with them at the time. That's what they had told me.
1: I mean, that would be, be pretty dope, especially if it was a baseball slash football stadium that was right oh there that you my looked God. into.
3: Oh, uh, don't get me started. I'm just, Let's I'm just dare to if, dream. If they
1: literally just ripped out like two square miles of Broadway right there and just gutted it, redid everything for like, again, you you have fu money in Phil Knight and a real estate developer. If they yep. figured that out, like the stuff that they could do is. Is incredible. I've seen a few people are saying I'm half watching, half watching this game. So yes, the Golden State Warriors are. Oh yeah, the finals not, are on. Uh, I mean, we got to watch them in the uh, in the third quarter over the Celtics. Um, but let's get uh, into some of these questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan Whitledge asks, uh, at the Ryan Whitty: Is the laughable statement from the team about about not being for sale just to play for a higher bid, or is it legally cr- the correct thing to do due to the complications complications brought on by being sold from the trust? Would you put the chances of night ownership actually happening? Where would you say – let's work our way backwards. What would you say the night ownership looks like uh, percentage-wise?
3: Like where I'd put that it's going to happen? The, the
1: likelihood of it happening.
3: Oh, I'd put it at 89%. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm leaving wiggle room for I was literally going to go at 90. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> hey, simpatico. Yeah. Um, here's my two cents. Could be wrong on this. I don't know why there would be any legalities to why that team would need to respond at all to any public offer made. Uh, they don't have to respond to it, but I don't know why there'd be a legality stating they have to respond publicly the way they did to Woj. Yes.
1: Um, again, I, I would be at ninety percent. I I don't think because remember the league owners have to approve the sale.
3: They want him in the league. They, they want Silver Phil Knight wants in him in the league. Yes, Come on, he's the jersey sponsor for God's sakes.
1: And not not only that, it's Phil Knight. You know the money. You know the the. I mean, yeah, this is it's good. And I've seen a lot of people with the conflict of interest stuff. And they said, "Well, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has kind of divested himself from Jordan Brand as far as anything outside of um, royalties. Yeah, is what I was told. Uh, much like Phil Knight has from Nike. But again, let's let's be honest. They're both in charge. <laughs> if if they want something done, it's happening. Well, there's
3: uh, a, a GD logo on the Hornets jersey. Yes. It's the it's the Jordan. And that's logo. their normal
1: jersey. Is the Jordan brand. Let's 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 be honest. Right. But uh, the one I always point out that people otherwise don't." Michael Rubin, who owns the Philadelphia 76ers, he started and owns Fanatics. They are the official jersey, apparel, everything supplier for basically every sport. They are the, the official wholesaler. in uh, Qualtrics,
3: who... You see their commercials all the time during NBA games. Yes. Fanatics, yeah. Because
1: they're the official supplier.
3: Right. And
1: they're, they're making millions upon millions of dollars. Qualtrics, who... Uh, 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 the owner of the Jazz, he's the uh, founder and owner of. Um, that's the system that they use to to keep track of all of the uh, COVID tracing. Like, there's, there's conflict. Well, basically, what I'm saying is there's conflict of interest everywhere. That stuff, it doesn't matter anymore. And not only that, Phil Knight, because he's been kind of divested from Nike at least enough, can at least, at least be legally arm's length away. Yep. The other part of this, as far as the team saying the team's not for sale, well, Adam Silver came out like two hours later and said, <laughs> yeah, they are. They have to sell. They, they, they have to sell. <laughs> And I think that was a, a, a definitely a double bird. Yes. Uh, at the Trailblazers and the Vulcans, like you can sit here and say this all you want, but you have to sell,
3: and everybody I love, knows you have to sell. I love that he didn't really compliment her. I think he basically said oh, she's been a fine steward of the team. Like <laughs> she's not existed to us, okay? Yeah. She's not existed to people in Portland.
1: Because what's crazy about this is, is, for those that don't know, Paul Allen was the owner in the NBA. He sat at the top of the table. If you're talking Game of Thrones, that's his chair. He was one of the longest-lasting owners in the league. He had more influence than any other owner in the league by a substantial margin. By not only his, his money, but his time and position, and his, his voice. Like he was, the, he was the guy that first kind of ushered in regional TV deals. Yeah. He was the guy that tried to do internet streaming. Remember Blazer Vision? Blazer
3: Vision. Blazer Vision. This yeah. was, uh, this was what a 15 bad idea. years ago.
1: Like, they was so far ahead of his time as far as, like, stuff that they wanted to do. And, like, for the Blazers to go from where they were, their seat at the table, they went from the big chair all the way to the kitty table with is yeah. Allen because yep. of the stewardship. Phil Knight, he may not be an owner as far as, like, longevity, but he's, listen, he's he's got a knife behind his back. That's a guy killing to get to the top of the table. Yep. It's not a guy that stands by idly. That's a guy who walks into a room and immediately wins.
3: When I think the 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 beauty of this could be, you know, we don't know what the future of the Ducks is going to be. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be so hard for a program from any Pac-12 uh, position, let alone Oregon, to go and beat the SEC juggernauts. Mm-hmm. This is a man absolutely driven by being at the top. Now, he's got the top in track and field, and his basketball teams at the university are really good. Mm-hmm you know, there's a a bit of a level here. College football is at the top. The NBA There's only 30. It could rival. And this is a a genuine club of clubs. And to be able to try to get to the top of that and create your own kind of golden state. I I think that's that's an exciting thing for somebody that's 84 years young.
1: Yeah, it's I'm excited about this, but I, I will say this. The uh, John Canzano has has had a lot of great reporting over the last couple of weeks about the potential sale. What he has reported is is a lot of the exact same things you and I have talked about behind the scenes, really, for the last six months. Um, he's just been able to actually report it because that's not what we do here. Um, but the I think the very interesting thing out of this was um, Woj said a, an offer that was over two billion dollars. I I have heard and I cannot confirm that the offer was somewhere in the neighborhood of two point two.
3: I was I was kind of wondering if it was two point two two point three. Yeah. I feel like when you say just over two, you're not quite getting to three. You're at like yeah. that two-to-one situation, and they're looking for more than that, which is like, okay, good They luck. want
1: three, which is almost double what the Timberwolves sold for.
3: You're not doing that.
1: Now, do the Blazers and and Cold and the Vulcans say, we're going to take this to auction? I think the league is going to kind of step in, and if it's not Phil Knight, and say, we need you to sell to Phil. But as long as the fill. number yeah gets to a certain point, if they want to say, I, I think ultimately this gets done when it hits two point five.
3: See, I I think they're haggling publicly over 150 million dollars. I think if this thing gets to two three and a half, two four, I think it's good.
1: And that's why I put it at two five. I think if it, if it gets to two five, it's done, absolutely God. done.
3: I wish I had that kind of cash, man. It would be so amazing. <laughs> I wish I
1: had 10 percent of it.
3: If 100%. I had, hey, I know they're about saving money and you don't become rich by spending all your money. If I'm in that situation, I'm I here's, buy the team. here's two, here's two eight. Piss off, give me the team. Goodbye. I'm becoming an NBA owner because you can't spend it when you're when you have that much money, you can't spend it. You can never spend it. He's always getting more money. Yeah. Like his interest rate alone is
1: and they, his stock options alone are worth
3: Danny. I think they said Mackenzie Scott when she got divorced from uh, 33 that nerd, billion. She got 33 billion. She spent like Half instantly into charity, she made like 50 billion dollars through COVID. Through COVID, yeah. from where she's tied to finance, like she, think about that. She had 30, she spent half. COVID hits, she makes 50, <laughs> she makes 150 percent more. Like, and she's out here, like shoveling out, like, I gotta get it out of here. She's screwed just...
1: McDuck and swimming through it and just shooting it into a cannon and you still can't, can't keep it. up. Can't get rid of it. Uh, Frank Robinson asks, what about a G League team? I would imagine if Phil Knight gets involved, day one, a G League team is there. But not only that, and this is where Uncle Phil, the the, the play money, um, comes at, it, like, really matters. I would imagine that, I don't know if it's carte blanche, but I would imagine that your sports medical staff, your sports medicine staff, that's your training facility. like the, the Blazers practice facility is, is fine. It's it's, it's decent. I I was just literally just there a couple hours ago. Um, But there are certainly facilities that are in the NBA that are significantly nicer. And I would imagine that becomes a a draw because it... So, Oh, I think
3: they just played the Coliseum. I think he'd renovate it and they'd play at the Coliseum.
1: Ooh. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of players like the fact that the practice facility is in the suburbs because they all live there. And that's actually a a big issue for those that go and play in New York. Uh, Yeah. the, The... the Knicks practice facility is like an hour and a half drive from the arena. It's, out in the, it's out in the sticks. Is and that drives, in Jersey or? New yeah. York? It's like, it, again, it's like, and that's, that's a long way to drive in New York. And so, yeah. um, that's actually a significant issue for players. and has been for a while. Um, but I can imagine Phil Knight being like, oh, no, we're going to have a state-of-the-art facility. We're going to, you know, they, they buy out what we used to be Club Sport. And it's whatever it is now. It's right next door. And, you know, they just gut that whole parking lot, you know, turn it to class." Are you talking about that
3: Villa Club Sport? Yeah. I just, Did that shut down?
1: No, it, it, got, it got bought out renamed as something else. It, but oh, it's, it's still you. a gym, but I can't remember what, what it got turned out, sure. what, what other brand, whatever name it is. Uh, but I would imagine they would just buy that whole lot out and kind of turn that into a new practice facility
3: i mean getting a g league team would be pretty good considering but i think we're what one of two teams that don't have only one. only team only team now that's cool yeah. awesome.
1: so my thought is they 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 renovate that and they do it like santa cruz did and they have their practice facility slash, slash um g league team
3: because that 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 lot's big enough it's huge and and they got that they i think a cr- like right down the road is that like abandoned gas station that that sign still mm-hmm. stands with like the texaco sign but you can't see it anymore you like they got a lot of land areas. There, over there's there.
1: a ton of right there that they could work with, and I think with you know what what they're doing in, in oh, Bridgeport shit. and all that.
3: Yeah, Golden State is house. Yeah, they went they went nuts there. Pool just hit like a half court shot.
1: Um. But yeah, I I think that all those areas on the margins that they could work through. Would be there would be available. Um, this from Justin Ross. I heard whispers of Blazers moving up to three by trading Seven and Simons. Well, I hate that idea. I assume they'd be they'd be high on Bankero, but that is me wondering if that was route. How much traction does Levine to Portland gain? I will tell you right now, without uh, mincing words, Levine to Portland has zero legs. It is legless.
3: Mm. It,
1: that's that's just that's water carrying
3: chatter. It's just chatter.
1: <laughs> yeah, not chowder, chatter. Uh, which,
3: which, by the way, I'm I'm not that upset by.
1: No, carry some water. I,
3: I, I'd it. be I'd be in on Levine. Like I wouldn't be mad at it, but like
1: they're not doing that for they're not dumping Anthony Simons to add Zach Levine.
3: Like no, I I, I don't. I also you know I love and Bobby Marks. You know some people are giving him flack. for he, he was put on the spot on a draft preview show. Like, was so, what's something like, wild? Uh, yeah, and he kind of went a little wild. So he, he he
1: decided he'd go for gross overpay and go Anthony Simons and seven for three. It would not cost that much to move up that much.
3: Yeah, I, I would hope it wouldn't cost that much. No.
1: So, um, But the idea of the Blazers moving up, it's not out of this world. I, I've talked to more than a few people who uh, don't be surprised if a player that you don't think ends up in the top three. That player I mean, being Jay, Jay Nivey.
3: Jay yeah. Nivey seems to be catching a lot of steam. I've heard a
1: couple teams that have talked about moving up to two and three for him. Wow. So it's. But
3: I I still have a hard time believing. I have a hard time believing Bankiro falls outside of that top three. I think if anything, it's going to be a Chet falls. That's my that's my hottest take for the draft.
1: That's that's a hot one because I still think he's going number one. I he definitely
3: could. i still going to say Jabari goes one, but I think if there's major movement, guys are moving up to go get a Jaden. I just think in some of these workouts, man, like you're you're working out Paolo and you're working out Chet, Chet's skilled, but aren't you physically looking at the two just going, huh. I got to put everything <laughs> on the line for this kid that weighs and, 106 pounds?
1: And that's always the question is how much you're willing to risk. And I mean, the, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, were manned by John Hammond and they took a skinny kid from Greece named yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo, yep. and the rest is history. John Hammond, that same man, is now the general manager of the Orlando Magic, who had the number one overall pick. That's that's if for anybody's like ah oh, they wouldn't do that yeah yeah they would
3: it'd yeah. be very Orlando to take that swing
1: they, they took Giannis they took Thon Maker like yes they would they absolutely would unabashedly um, let's let's get a little social here real quick uh, was it yeah. yesterday day before this is Friday afternoon Yusuf Nurkic tweeted out in response to Trenton Watford saying never knew finding a house in PDX would be this tough with a face over the or a hand over the face emoji and Nurk quote tweeted and said I might sell my house soon. And that got everybody going, huh?
3: Can, can I just interrupt real quick yeah. before we get into the NERC stuff? Uh, look, Watford, I get, is not Damian Lillard. I just feel like when you're an NBA player, you have a market that's unto yourself. And you go, I'm an NBA player. And they go, okay, great. House sold. he also
1: got real money, too. You got a real contract. I,
3: I almost feel like they just tweet these things to tweet these things. like They're just bored. and They're like, man, I kind of need a new house. I haven't really looked. Ah, looking for a house sucks. I'm going to tweet that. Finding a house in Portland's not easy.
1: <laughs> says, says the guy who can buy a real estate agent to literally handle every single part of it until he needs to come in and sign paperwork.
3: That's what I'm saying. It's like I got a friend that's been outbid now by like seven of his last eight houses. And I'm just like,
1: remember, I told you 24.
3: That's 24 that's before hard. I got my house. No, I, I know it's, it's not easy. And I think for guys like us, it's hard. I, I don't know if it's hard for NBA players. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I said all this, is just kind of like, Nurk's trolling. Nurk's trolling. But uh, Colin Pettit says, How confident are you that Nurk stays even if we don't get Aiden? Do you think we'd look to get more of a playoff-type big over Nurk? If the Blazers don't land DeAndre Aiton or another big, Yusuf Nurkic will be a trailblazer. I do not think that the Blazers are going to put themselves in a position where they are scrambling for a starting-caliber big by uh, letting Yusuf Nurkic go.
3: Yeah. Do
1: you think there's a world where they're like, we're willing to risk it for the biscuit, baby.
3: Um, no, I, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's swinging for a Deandre type. And if you're not getting that use of is your center
1: depth. So ultimately I, I don't think it's a, uh, a situation that's you really have to worry about in that regard. But the idea of Yusuf Nurkic being moved is something that can definitely be out there. Um, Another question here, Bruce Caesar Bennett at C's 25. What would it take to get Collins out of Atlanta? Would prefer him over Grant? We've sure. spent a ton of time talking about OG, about DeAndre Ayton, and exhaustingly about Jeremy Grant. We have not talked about John Collins enough, and this is the intel that I have on John Collins and the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are in a position that the Portland Trailblazers were in 2019 when they doubled down and had no money, uh, and they just said, screw it, we're going to give up draft picks for Robert Covington, and then more for Larry Nance Jr., and they had guys locked up. And they just went so far down a hole that, well, when you know Joe Cronin decided to make some changes and they wanted to peel it back, that Band-Aid sucked when they yeah. tore it off because they just went too far. Uh, the Hawks are trying to tear the Band-Aid off before it gets real nasty. And part of that is clearing the books because they, they, they gave away too much money on the false Eastern Conference Finals. Walking and beating the New York Knicks – never a way that you should probably build around that. Much the same way the Blazers beat the, the very young Nuggets in Game 7, scraping by. Yeah. And now the opportunity is there for Atlanta to move off that money. And John Collins is the first one on there. Uh, Kevin Herter is number two on that list. They are not moving DeAndre Hunter. And I have heard that John Collins absolutely unequivocally does not want to play with Trey, Rung, Trey Young anymore.
3: That relationship seemed to sour done. during the season, yeah.
1: And I, I've heard it would be a um a very welcome change for john collins so if the hawks can find a way to get somebody basically to take john collins and not take a bunch of long-term guaranteed money back does this sound familiar
3: yeah sounds like portland (laughs) so hawk fans are gonna absolutely shit all over that trade and be like great we got way worse
1: we got flexibility what does that mean
3: we got somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing
1: or they're going to get a draft pick for 2025. Great, that guy's a high school freshman right now. And it's going to be like, well, it's, I guess it's your problem now.
3: Uh, <laughs> it'd is be nice. weird. Do, you uh, do you think it'd be that simple?
1: Yeah, I, I think the return for John Collins is not going to be that tremendous. As good a player as he is, I think some people, they They
3: wouldn't want a Nurkic back. That would make no sense no, for him.
1: No, I, I think they want to get some, some youth, some assets, and, draft, and some draft picks. Um, to kind Are we talking like—
3: out. Are we talking potentially 2025 and Nas? I would think something about that. Line. Like something like that. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's what. I, that's what ultimately I think that would. That would. They'd have to attach something else in there. That would. That would be Bledsoe to make the money work. But that gets them out of four years of John Collins and only one year of Eric Bledsoe. Um, and as again, that becomes a piece that they can again flip at the trade deadline for another expiring contract, much the way the Trailblazers, if they re sign Joe Ingles, would be looking to do uh, at the trade deadline.
3: How would that let let's go pie in the sky here, real quick? Mm-hmm. Cause I'd imagine other people have the same kind of thought. And I'm I'm not gonna pretend I'm not Mr. Salary Cap guy, right? We leave that to you. Um, if you got John Collins, so you got Collins, Nurkage is signing a new deal, you've got Dame's deal that you'd assume he's getting that extension. Mm-hmm. How does the financials work if they are pie in the sky? Gonna go also get an OG on a newbie. It's doable. Okay.
1: It's doable. So the order of operations matters uh, and, and how you bring guys in and what's tri- So you would use the number seven overall pick and whatever else, whether it's Nas or Hart or however that, sh- that shapes up. Either way, it's going to hurt. I think it's going to hurt. Um, I'm, I, I love Nas. <laughs> like as, as a human being, uh, as a player, I, just, I, I I think the Blazers are, are going to. It's If they want, if they do what they want to do, I think it's going to end up costing one of those guys.
3: Oh, so here's the other part of this. So they go in financially, and they're, like, right at that line. They're over. How much of the sale, I think, plays a factor in this, right? If Phil and Smolensky are the leading candidates, but it's going to take them about a year for everything to transition, mm-hmm. how do the financial situations work out, you think, with the current ownership paired with the potential new ownership saying, we don't give a shit about that salary tax. Yeah, just- That's the team yeah. versus the Vulcans still being there saying, I don't know if we want to do- dive into that.
1: I I don't think it really matters ultimately. Um, I, I think they're they're kind of in that caretaker position and they've kind of cut some some money in some certain areas. Like they, they hired some cheaper assistants. There they've the the people that, that Joe Cronin has brought in 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 Smiths and, and Oliva and uh, Andre Patterson are all younger, first time elevated. Those positions are then cheaper. So those are, those are things I think they've already kind of compensated for. The long term money going forward, I don't think it's going to be a big issue when it's committed to. Outside of Damian Lillard, who's you know, global icon, uh, a money, uh, he, he's a money printing machine unto himself. Um, I don't think anybody's going to bat an eye 25 million for John Collins or 18 million for OG Ananobi or 20 million for Anthony Simons. I don't think anybody's going to care about that. Um, but when you take a look at like, what the team could look like in this scenario, the idea of Dame, Ant, OG, John Collins, Yusuf Durkic, is that a title winning team? No, but you've got money in the right places. You've got more size. You've got uh, a, a lot. A lot more uh, variability in how you can attack things and how you can figure things out.
3: That's a pretty damn good lineup, man. Like, it's, I'll butt it's in, you know, I don't think it's a title winner, but like, let's not act like the West is stacked and loaded with these amazing teams that are going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Golden State's in the finals. It looks like they're going to win Game Two, so we had, a, you know even series there. Outside of that, like, was Dallas's run a little fluky? I know Luca's great, but that roster's not loaded. Phoenix looks like an utter disaster. Utah today, we found out, sounds like they're going to completely have to blow this up and may even lose Donovan Mitchell in the process. Mm. The Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, sure, the baby Grizzlies, you're all in on that, but let's see. Let's not completely get over our skis. The Pelicans were barely a play-in team and should have lost had COVID not interrupted. We don't know what the Clippers will be. We don't know where the Lakers will be. Like, There's enough uncertainty to me in the West for me not to tell you that's a championship roster, but to tell you, damn it, that's a pretty good starting five, and I think if all healthy could push a lot of teams to – you know, a, a breaking point or, you know, go further than we think.
1: Yeah, and I think you're, you're in a position, and we've talked about this a ton, right? The the idea of the, the Blazers, um, they're trying to get better this year, but the goal isn't to be a title contending team. Like, listen, if they stumble into a title contending team this offseason, great. But everybody's approaching this with the, with the idea of, we'll be a title contending team hopefully in 18 months. That That's what they're hoping for. And so you do that by getting these, these pieces now, And then figuring out the next steps as you get into another MLE and as you get into another trade window and as you get into another offseason with potentially new ownership and how much that changes the landscape. Um, Aussie Blazer at Ozguy underscore Blazers. Do you think there are any changes to Chauncey's bench for next season? Chauncey had a fairly inexperienced coaching staff outside of Brooks. I believe that they're going to try to make some changes there. But I do know that a lot of their young assistants, like Adnisha Curry, has a has great have great relationships with these players right now, particularly the younger guys and Anthony Simons and uh, Nasir Little, uh, Trenton for Greg Brown. Like, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I want to say and I want to believe that they're going to try to get one more veteran assistant head coach
3: to change hmm. some things around. Any ideas?
1: Not yet. Still, still waiting to see who, who gets a job and who doesn't. Uh, yeah. Real quick, for those that don't know, Quinn Snyder has decided to leave Utah, as I understand it. It uh, had a lot to do with not getting the control that he wanted because the Utah Jazz also had a change in ownership uh, after Dennis Lindsay left as a GM.
3: Also, oh, Danny Ainge is there, and he's like, oh, you want control? Piss off. Yeah, that's kind of how that
1: ultimately went down is that Danny Gange wasn't going to relinquish control and Ryan Smith decided that the angel he brought in to have control. Uh, and Quinn was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I, if we're going to, you know, I'm going to have a team that I can't decide how it builds, uh, at least have some input on that or more input than I currently have then I'm out. Uh, and I think he definitely uh, has an opportunity to be that, um, kind of guy. I think he's earned that cachet to, to at least have some pretty strong feedback. Uh, as I understand it, Rudy Gobert is officially on the trade block behind the scenes donovan mitchell will be there at least one more year so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out listen i know the tweet that came out earlier definitely sounded like caa his agency soft launching a trade request uh what is is it unnerved donovan mitchell's unnerved by the situation
3: unnerved and re like refocusing his life Mm -hmm. like bro when you're going to those territory i am i am all ready for you in about a week to say (laughs) I don't want to play in Utah anymore. I'm tired w- of being in Salt Lake City.
1: I will say this. I was told a- about a week ago that, that Mitchell was going to stay.
3: Well, how's the NBA? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, things can change quickly. DeAndre, yes, Ayton, DeAndre Ayton, everybody was assured that yeah. DeAndre Ayton was re- returning to the Suns. And I said,
3: why would you? Yeah, Why would you <laughs> turn down the chance to pay him less money? It just didn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't want to be there so those things happen the same thing with og and adobe uh, i will say this the portland trailblazers hosted a workout today for ben Matherin alone uh, i and other portland media members showed up at the practice facility and we were turned oh, away
3: how was it oh we oh, okay.
1: were turned away
3: so you didn't get to speak with ben Matherin? no
1: uh ah.
3: all
1: the, right the media staff at the trailblazers did not know and they I didn't
3: know he was going to tell you to piss off no
1: So I imagine a lot of egg
3: on the face for them.
1: I would imagine that this came about as part of a request from Mathrin's agency.
3: I would tell you right now, I hope every single media member, including yourself, sends a very strongly worded letter to those reps at the Portland Trailblazers. You do not invite people in. To not be able to speak to the one goddamn guy that's at the work. I,
1: I as I understand it, the, that is the, a
3: waste the, of everybody's time.
1: It was, but we all went and got lunch. So it's okay. Um,
3: you all had lunch. No, like just, all of you. you no, no, we just a couple of us. Oh. Um,
1: but the, the idea sat at of the
3: cool table. I
1: and mean, there was only one table. So there's not, there's not a lot of us.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's like, you know, you could say there might be two different groups. I don't know. <laughs> I'm always curious.
1: That I mean, the old media room definitely had two different
3: tables. That's for sure. Um, shit i never ate in there i was always i took my i knew where i was in the media landscape i took my food and i looked like like a a beet dog and i walked out with my head down and i went and ate outside you just, just went course. all the way up i sat in like section 112 in a seat by myself <laughs> eating my lone hot dog i'm like i'm all alone
2: oh. all the writers
3: it's it's so clicky it's like oh, it's like high school a, are you a scribe are you a scribe oh we're scribes we sit together <laughs>
1: Uh, there's definitely a, a, a little bit of that. Um, Dick Burns, great name. Dick Burns Jr. <laughs> would Nipatune really be open to a PDX return given his first how his first tenure ended? So
3: that's a great name. It's bro. a great name. Uh, I,
1: I I hope it's not made up. Um, Does it though? <laughs> but would Nipatune be open to a PDX return given how his first tenure ended? Uh, there's some truth to how that first tenure ended. Uh, it wasn't great. Uh, as I understand it, uh, Neil was not the biggest fan of Nick Batum. Nick Batum was not the biggest fan of Neil, but I tell you who is one of Nick Batum's biggest fans Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard. Mm. Loves himself some Nick Batum. I've been told one of his favorite teammates of all time. The Blazers made an offer to Nick Batum. And I think they did it at the behest of Damian Lillard, much like they made an offer for Jim, JaVale McGee and free agency. He took less money to go to the Clippers, I would imagine, because of who was in charge at the time. Would Nick Batum be open to coming back to Portland now? I would imagine at least a little bit.
3: I can't remember where I heard this from. So apologies. Cause I hate being the guy that just blurts stuff out. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I'm making it up, but I, 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 I want to say I heard it either on NBA TV or somebody in the media said something to the effect of Nick, if he can control it, will be back in the Clippers. He likes playing in LA. Mm-hmm. He likes playing with those guys. He feels like they kind of know what his role is. And he, he wants to play where he feels comfortable. And that's definitely a a place that he's done rather well, considering everybody said he was literally the worst player in the NBA, statistically, in some of the advanced metrics. Uh, He's fit in quite nice and been a pretty good piece for a team that, unfortunately for them, their superstars have just been injured. Yeah,
1: they've had piles of injuries. Uh, We'll get out of here pretty quick um, because I know you've got to take care of some stuff. Keegan Spenlove, at Keegan Spenlove, any potential picks in the lottery that for whatever reason you would want the Blazers to avoid like the plague? Is there anybody in the, in, in, around the seven region, or even if they traded back, say, to seven, 10, 12, or something like that, where you're like, "Well, hell no.
3: Well, let me let me just quickly, I'll add to this, okay? I also want to add a question that was asked, and we'll kind of pile it in because it makes sense. Somebody had said, who is your pie in the sky? You reach for him, they can hit. I think it was a Dyson Daniels-related question. I, I'm going to tell you, as a non-draft analyst, a guy who doesn't go to the combine, a guy who doesn't spend hours of his days breaking down college or G League film nobody knows who is going to reach their potential in this draft. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows who is the guy to swing for the moon for. Okay. A lot of this is opinion-based conjecture based on talking to certain people in the league and also just forming your own opinion. It's not to discredit the hard work these guys do. They work their asses off. I've seen it. I know it, but it's to the people that are like, I've read a lot about Dyson Daniels. They swing for the moon on Dyson. You don't know you're guessing you're doing everything. Everybody else is doing. You're guessing because we don't know how the fit's going to be the organization development program, uh, developmental program. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't know if Dyson Daniels is your pie in the sky. You swing for the fences guy in this draft. He might be, or he might be a significantly worse version of Ben Simmons, which right now Ben Simmons isn't looked upon as particularly a great, uh, piece. sure. That being said, If there's a dude that I'm willing to roll it with, this is like kind of throwing my two cents in there. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in AJ Griffin. And I know that goes against a lot of conventional wisdom, Mm -hmm. given where he is slated on a lot of mocks, but he is six, seven. Uh, Raphael loves him. Right. Talking to Raphael kind of helps, but he's six, seven. And I know what his knocks are slow footed. Wasn't the most aggressive player on that Duke roster. Hell in a lot of instances, wasn't even maybe top three. But he's, what, 19 years old? Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I like the idea of getting a guy like that and putting him in this situation where he's going to be looked at as a three or a four option, maybe a five, depending on who's here, and letting him work through it and figure that out. And I'm particularly saying this because maybe you go get your Andrew Wiggins, a guy who was slated number one, wasn't a franchise guy, not a two, hell, sometimes not even a three.
1: But a damn good player in a couple years
3: but a damn good player and a really good piece for a good team.
1: Let's not get it that Andrew Wiggins was an all-star because he, the Warriors were very good, but also just very – He deserved it. He, he, he did deserve it. Like He was yeah, a very he good player. He's he become a plus defender. He's a guy who gets downhill and gives them rim pressure. Um, he, he went to what we call Warriors University and learned how to play the bleeping game. Yes, he did. And that's – again, you're, you're looking at things and going, well, it kind of makes sense. He started Minnesota, which is – you know basketball hell. Like nobody goes there and gets better. That's been kind of their problem. Now has yeah. it changed with new ownership and, and changing things and, and how they go about stuff? Possibly. But in the past, no. Uh, and I think that's part of uh, again a, a credit to the Warriors. Uh, I will say that the the player that I do not want to touch. And this is not as much a shot at him as much as I just I don't. There's something about him that I just it's not for me. It's Johnny Davis. Loved him in college, but there's something about his game that I look at and I go, ah, I don't know, man. Like really? Just the, just the way that he moves, like, I just don't trust it. And I know that he played with some injuries, and I know he he um, kind of had to, to battle through some stuff, but uh-huh. I, I, I he's super competitive, a bit of a dog, but I'm just like, there's something there that I don't trust. And The other one's Jalen Linder. Those are the two guys what? in the lottery that I, I, I want to stay away from the most.
3: Yeah, the Duran one's interesting to me about why so many people are already kind of out on mm-hmm. considering
1: how young he, he is, and, and he's the, the youngest player in the draft, yeah. right? So, I, I get it. I just look at it and I go, "What is the best case scenario for Jalen Duran? High-end DeAndre Jordan, which is a good player. Do the Blazers need to wait? Because let's be honest, it takes centers about four years to figure stuff out." Do the Blazers just want to wait four years to see a guy turn into high-end DeAndre Jordan?
3: Probably. I, well, I don't know. He'd be twenty-two.
1: Again, it's not necessarily a bad <laughs> yeah. thing.
3: At four years sounds like a long time, and it kind of is. But like, you're, he's also like <laughs> going to be twenty-two years old in four years, which is insane to think about. Yeah,
1: and that's the, again, it's not that I think he's a bad player. I just think the development curve when he's actually going to figure stuff out because bigs take longer than anybody right now. Yeah, I just. I don't think it makes sense for this team. And I don't see the tools there that turns him into a top three, top five center. Um, If if there were additional skill sets or tools there, you could talk me into it. I just don't see the other stuff that that was enough to get him up there.
3: I think Chet's going to be a good player. I'm not all the way on a Chet the way other people are. I don't Mm -hmm. view him that way. Um, And I'll give you one because I kind of went the other way with the question because I had that big rant about draft picks. I like them swinging for AJ. I'll give you the one to answer the original question. Um, I'm going to trust my guy, Zach Kroll, who I work with at the BetQL Network. Mm -hmm. He probably watches during the season more college basketball than anybody else I actually personally know. Like, this dude's watching all of these games. He is not particularly in love with Jaden Ivey. And I know that's a very hot take right now, considering how much he's Mm
1: -hmm. skyrocketing.
3: Yeah. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to old takes expose myself. And I'm going to say right now no, I don't want to swing for the fences on Jane. I, I'm, I'm I'm not particularly that great on him and we'll see if how stupid I look in about mm, eight months.
1: Yeah. I think if any player in this draft is going to be a rookie of the year outside the bigs, it's going to be him because he's going to be in the position much like Donovan Mitchell was in his rookie year. You're like, Oh yeah, shit. This guy can play. Like it was I think it was December, everybody's like, Oh my goodness, this guy's good. Like it it was it was very apparent. It wasn't like the rookie class this year as good as it was between Cade and and Scotty and, and Evan, where you're looking right. at like these are good players. Right. Donovan Mitchell come December, everybody was like, Oh, he's one of those guys. Yeah. I, I think of any of these these players right now, I think Jaden Ivy's the most likely to hit that. But I also see where you could see him falling short because he's not a true point guard he's a combo guard score first kind of guard it's it's very interesting to see how that like where he ends up landing on that scale
3: I also hope for his sake he doesn't go to Sacramento like of all the teams in the league
1: then that's where it sounds like he's gonna end up
3: brother I don't know if there is a team to be on worse than Sacramento and I hate Oklahoma City like actually I don't like the city it's awful I've been there but Sacramento is a franchise I just have no trust or faith in I'm sorry
1: no, I mean, you, you, there's a good reason for that. Um, we'll get on this, this last one. We'll get out of here. Uh, OG Ananobi rumors. We talked about it a little bit. They just, they're just, they just ramping up. They're getting louder and louder and louder and louder. Uh, watching Toronto fans uh, go through it this last week has been a blast. The uh, Maasai usually You are a
3: sick son of a bitch.
1: Listen, man, there's a reason why I've been talking about this since mid-March. It, is, it has not been something that I was just, oh, pulling out of thin air. <laughs> um i've heard a ton around it for a long time and when you hear this much around something there's there's enough smoke to say there's a fire over over the the bills whether or not that manifests itself in a trade request i don't know but i would say that we're closer to that than not i if i had to put money down on it i would say it's a coin toss that that gets done Hmm. That's how that's that's how much more confident. Like it gets,
3: he gets done to Portland, or he gets traded.
1: that he gets done to Portland.
3: You're more confident that he's traded to Portland than not. Yes.
1: If he's traded, I think the most likely landing place for him is Portland.
3: Tell me, Brandon. Does his agency? Um, what would it take to get him? Show me that that trade package. Seven
1: and one one of either Harder Little.
3: You don't think they want both?
1: They can't have both. Okay. And I think it's going to be an interesting spot to see where that looks like. <sighs> people sitting there saying, "Well, that doesn't sound like enough." I mean, I,
2: why? I, yeah, that's I, I I've, heard, I well, I've heard. Well, I've heard national would...
1: people like uh, a sign and trade with Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart is enough to get DeAndre Ayton. John Hollinger said that the other day,
3: with Nate Duncan. Yeah, I, that, I've I've heard other
1: national people say for OG seven seven is enough.
3: Just the pick by itself. So you avoid the contract extension stuff. You continue this kind of this build up with young talent. Get a cohesive core together.
1: And as good as the Raptors have have drafted.
3: Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they'd probably end up selecting the guy that ends up hitting borderline with you the, the year again. Right, and we would okay. go, oh, OG's our third option. We traded that for that guy. You know what I mean? We'd find a way to already be yeah, miserable.
1: Um, so it's, it's it's just an interesting place. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers are going to be on the clock in 18 days. 18 days. A little bit more than two weeks, a little less than three weeks, it's, however you want
3: to. It's wild how quick it's coming. It's
1: coming up quick. So yeah. just as a heads up, folks, we will have a live watch party with Watch Playback. It will be open. It will be public. Um, we will be giving, going that night. Now, whether or not, depending on how things go and what the timing looks like, we may do the show, and as soon as the draft wraps, I may hop in the car and drive down to the practice facility for um, questions. Presser? Yeah, for the presser. where i got to see kind of how timing lines up. They usually do it, I think, about an hour after the draft.
3: Yeah, there's usually, a, wrap up.
1: there's usually a gap.
3: I went to I went to that one the year they uh, took Nolan Smith. And, okay. Uh, <laughs> boy, talk about a boring-ass place to watch a draft. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's media guys giving their hottest goddamn takes. Like, hey, can you fire <laughs> off this tweet? I'm going to fire off this tweet. And then you're just kind of sitting in a big gym watching the draft, and then you're moseying on over like a herd of elephants.
1: So I'm going to try to avoid that part of it and then go to the presser afterwards. And I think that's the way we're well, going to shape this Well,
3: let's do this. I, I, I honestly, if we're doing the live watch party why not do the top 15 picks and then we'll cut it and then you can just drive over out of there we don't need to watch the whole first round if portland trades the pick cool if they draft it it's at seven that's a lot of time for reaction and not
1: only that we should hear how things are escalating as it as it goes for that yes
3: if anything we'd have a follow-up pod the next day
1: yeah so um or i'll just you know grab my phone and go live from there
3: shit if you don't mind being the guy in the corner you know making fun of joe cronin's decisions (laughs)
1: We, 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 we're going to give joe his chances we're going to give him his
3: opportunity no i know i know i'm actually really excited to see what happens
1: yeah so am i um thank you all for being here brandon's got to get going i told him we get him out of here sooner and i just looked at the clock and i'm an idiot and i went way longer than i should have and he didn't say uh anything.
3: my wife goes uh i i know how many you've done these how many times you've done these podcasts you're not getting out when you said you need to get out and i said no that it'll happen he's like no way it will no. i'm like great awesome
1: sorry so i'm sorry <laughs> blame me nah, um, it's okay like, rate, review, subscribe, help us grow the show. You can find us on social media, at Dan Ring, at Brandon's Break, like it says on the screen, and at Jack Ramsey's. Uh, as you can tell, we have a new kind of setup here, so tell me if you like it, tell me what you don't like. Um, I'm, always, I'm always open to interpretations, trying to clean things up and give like a little the more information. I like the rundown sheet right here.
3: Yeah, I uh, like this rundown yeah. sheet. Other, other side great. for you. Other side for you. I like this rundown. <laughs> I'm, a real, yeah. I'm a big fan there of this rundown.
1: Sheet. Um, just to kind of give you guys an idea of, of where things are sitting at. Uh, and again, we will have a live watch party. Uh, I am trying to book a few more guests before the NBA draft. And then uh, not only draft, but just kind of where we might uh, or what players we might see. And remember, for everybody who doesn't know this, the Blazers cannot trade their pick this season until draft night. Because of the stepping rule. They cannot do that. So any any moves that are going to happen are going to happen that night. That's why we're, we're doing the coverage the way we're doing it. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show again. Uh, if you want, or if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five star, one star, whatever you're feeling like. We prefer the five star, but one stars are fine too, as long as you leave us a review. Uh, other than that, I think we can get out of here, Sprague. You got anything?
3: No, I, I think we covered a lot of ground here, and uh, if anything pops up, we'll get back to it, and you know, just uh, check at Jack Ramsey's and at Danny Morang and uh, my handle at Brandon Sprague. Just check them all and we'll give you all the info for the future pods.
1: And if you're uh, still watching or listening here, the Golden State Warriors are going to win game two handily.
3: Yeah,
2: oh, no, they just obliterated the, ab- them. Absolutely. In half, yeah. Second half.
1: It's, it's amazing what happens when uh, the Celtics don't hit seven straight threes in the fourth quarter.
3: Yes. Also, I just <laughs> kind of felt like this series is going to go deeper, I think, than four or five. So uh,
1: it'll be interesting. We will catch you guys all later. Uh, we will go live at least on Thursday. We might go live a little bit sooner if we have any uh, interesting things pop up. Otherwise, thank you all so 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 very much. We appreciate you. We love you. And uh, this is gonna be fun, folks. We got a little bit more in two weeks, and it's gonna be busy. <laughs> uh, I I I'm literally like giddy underneath right now. i was like, all right, let's do a little happy because this is this is what's gonna set the, set the franchise up or set the franchise back.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of change years. coming. There's no doubt. So,
1: again, thank you all. We love you. Appreciate you. Uh, you can find us on social media at DannyBring, at break at Jack Ramsey's. Email the show, com. Other than that, everybody, have a wonderful night. Enjoy the Boston Celtics losing, not so much the Warriors winning, because we hate both those teams. At least I do. So, uh, until next time, for Brandon, I'm Danny. Take care. Talk soon.